the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He's been recognized as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings nearly 40 years of experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Now, most of you know we spend the first part of the show talking about estate planning elder law. The idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally. We don't like paying taxes in this place. Avoiding probate, avoiding court, avoiding guardianships, and also, as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. But we're going to take a little bit of a difference because we ran across a doctor McQuaid and Kevin McQuaid, and he's from Longview, Texas, or at least resided in Longview, Texas, which is the same place where my wife used to live and her relatives, some of them still live. But he's a doctor pathologist, and over the years he's done a lot of research on the Shroud of Turin. And Nicole, we just asked you, what do you know about the Shroud of Turin? I didn't know anything until about five seconds ago, but now I know it's the cloth that Jesus was taken off of the cross from, I believe. That's what I heard. Yeah. And is in a church in Italy. I always thought it was real. I didn't know anybody thought it wasn't real. I thought that was the whole point of faith. So I'm mind boggled right now. Well, that was, there were a lot of people that were trying to, you know, oh, this thing's a hoax. You know, modern carbon dating says it's a hoax. And even the one of the founders of modern carbon dating said that the methods that they used to try to make it a hoax just weren't quite up to snuff. Yeah, because a few years ago they did some carbon dating and uh, uh, that dated the shroud back to the Middle Ages. So it was some clever medieval um, hoaxer or whatever. Of course, who in the Heads Middle Ages? Heads of John the Baptist, if anyone has read Umberto Eco. Yeah, well, that's something else again. But, the, <laughs> you know, because they... I don't know. We we can't get in and out of Umberto Eco in the next two three minutes. We'll have to do that in another day. But you know, needless to say, Dr. Kevin McQuaid, pathologist, scientist, and expert on the Shroud of Turin. We're going to listen. Fascinating part of history, religion. Um, we're going to listen to his story and his case. And I hope you enjoy the next 
40 minutes of the show. It'll be really interesting. Thank you for joining us. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, or connorsandsullivan.com. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it harder to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A home equity conversion mortgage may be the answer for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. Give me a call so our team here at Contour Mortgage can show you how the loan program works and how much you and your family may qualify for. My job is to help you find the best solution for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this mortgage program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-954-7463. Once again, that's 888 888- 954-7463 and you could be on your way to a better retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591 Contour Mortgage Corporation NMLS number 34384 990 Stewart Avenue, Suite 660, Garden City, New York 11530 Licensed Mortgage Banker, New York State Department of Financial Services Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. You know, on this segment, a lot of times we, t- we talk about history, we talk about religion, and I, I guess we're going to combine the two with our next guest, Dr. Kevin McQuaid. Welcome to Connor's Corner. Thank you. All right. Good so to be here. Doctor, can you tell our audience a little bit about your background? I grew up in western New York, and it wasn't until I was in my mid-30s that I ever heard the expression, cradle Catholic. (laughs) Oh, goodness. You know, the same thing for me. Well, I think I was in my 50s when I heard the expression for the first time. (laughs) When I... Where I grew up in western New York, I grew up in Grand Island, New York, and I thought the world was almost 100% Catholic and mostly Irish and Italian. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) And I grew up in a, I guess you would call it a devout Catholic family, and 
they didn't have a devotion to the shroud, but I always had an interest in the shroud. And now we're talking about the shroud of Turin, because yeah. the audience doesn't know yeah. you yet. So we're talking about the shroud of Turin. Yes, and then, uh, but I thought that's Jesus. So I grew up in Western New York, but we moved to Northern Virginia. I graduated from high school in Northern Virginia. I went to the University of Virginia undergrad, and then I went to Georgetown for medical school. And after I graduated Georgetown Medical School, I went to San Antonio. I was in the Air Force, and I did my residency. Then we did five years overseas, three in the Philippines, two in Germany, came back to the States and I did a year teaching at the, what I call the military medical school, which is on the grounds of what is now Walter Reed Army Medical Center. And then moved to Longview. I'm sorry about that one. Oh, don't let him be. (laughs) He's mean about Longview sometimes. (laughs) <laughs> there are a lot of Mitchells there. <laughs> and then almost exactly a year ago, we moved to Sedona, Arizona. The, the lab that I work for said I could do remote digital work from Sedona. So we jumped at the chance and moved to Sedona. Okay. Where I live now. Now, we, we talked about the Shroud of Tour and what, what, made you interested in, in studying the Shroud of Turin. And you know what? Maybe we should s- step back a second or two. What is the Shroud of Turin for our audience? The Shroud of Turin is the burial shroud of Jesus Christ. Now you say, and is the burial shroud of Jesus Christ. I assume that means you have no doubt about its authenticity. Correct. No doubt. Now, a few years back, wasn't there some carbon dating that said that it was a forgery from the Middle Ages? That's correct. They did say that. But there are many ways to refute the carbon dating, one of which is the inventor of the the current carbon dating process has looked at the shroud and the the findings from the shroud and says said that it is invalid carbon dating was never meant to be done on a piece of cloth like the shroud of turn but there are other there are other reasons that we know that the the carbon dating is invalid. There are there are pictures of you know paintings from the from prayer manuscripts that show shroud features, and they they date back mm, two hundred years earlier than than the carbon dating. And there have been experiments done with by uh, archaeologists and artifact purchasers and scientists that have shown that there are 
there are things that happened on the surface of the shroud that make the carbon dating invalid, as well, as well as the fibers are hollow, so there are, there are things that are growing in there, in in the fabric itself that can't be cleaned prior to carbon dating, and there are there are paintings, the most famous of which is the Jesus Christ Pantocrator, which is in a monastery in the Sinai Desert that dates back to about 550. And it has points of congruence, which I speak about often when I give my talk on the Shroud of Turin. And there are 250 points of congruence with the Jesus Christ Pantocrator icon, which means the artist that painted that icon was looking at the shroud. And because so, it, go ahead. There are, with a simple image, most people know about fingerprinting. The with a simple image like a fingerprint or a, sing, a simple impression such as a fingerprint, you know, 15 to 20 points of congruence is a match. And for a complex image, like a facial image, about 40 to 60 is considered a match. And the Jesus Christ Pantocrator has 250 points of congruence. All right, so we'll accept for the time being that the carbon dating tests were wrong. Why do you? What makes you believe that it is the actual shroud of Jesus? That I go into detail when I give my talk, but the man of the shroud is Jewish. He bears the marks of a Roman crucifixion. The cloth itself is identical to some of the, the ancient fabrics that are found at Masada. It's a fine linen, which conforms with Jewish burial practices. There are images over the eyes. In Jewish burial practices, the eyes are often covered and there are images of coins over the eyes on the shroud. If you look at high-resolution high photographs, and the coins over the eyes are Pontius Pilate leptons, which were struck between 29 and 32 A.D. And almost all of your listeners probably know who Pontius Pilate is. He was the procurator who sentenced Jesus to death. But he has all the all the features of of a Jewish man buried under Jewish burial customs. He, I, my background is in pathology, but I was I spent two years in the military as a medical examiner, and the wounds correspond exactly. To the wounds described in scripture 
Jesus is the only one in in history, in recorded history, that was crucified with a crown of thorns. Well, let me ask you something. The the wounds of of Jesus in are they in his hands or on his wrists? They're in his wrists. So most people, until fairly recently, always thought of the crucified Jesus of the wounds being in his hands. At least I, I would assume that most people thought that until fairly recently. Correct. Can you explain why? Or yeah. uh... well, a lot of people just <laughs> they they come to understand his wounding patterns from crucifixes that are around that have been made or sculpted for thousands of years, which almost always show the nail wounds in the hands and in the feet. And from the shroud, I know that Christ was crucified through the wrists and through his ankles. And there was actually a famous work done by Dr. Pierre Barbet about 100 years ago. He wrote a book that a doctor at Calvary, and he actually did experiments where he, he nailed cadavers through the palms and they would not hold. So it would have to be through the wrists in order to secure the victim to the cross. And not only was it a more secure crucifixion, but it also partially severed the median nerve, which would cause a specific pain notice known as causalgic pain. And we know from the shroud that he was crucified through the ankles, the way the clots and blood flows appear on the shroud, as well as uh, there is a crucifixion victim named Yeho Hanan. And he has nails in his ankle bones and they were recovered from from an ossuary in Israel, and he was crucified about this close to the same time as Christ. Were there were there signs of scourging? Correct, but I think it's it's a common misconception that. The scourges caused incised wounds or lacerations because the shroud shows patterned wounds. And there are only two things that cause patterned wounds in forensics, contusions or bruises and abrasions or scrapes. So I know from the shroud that his flesh wasn't torn for the most part, he may have had some lacerations from the scourging, but 
the wounds perfectly conformed to dumbbell-shaped weights that were about an inch and a half in length, and they were lead weights, three in number, because he has patterned wounds, three in number, parallel, and he probably has 117 wounds, scourge wounds or contusions on his body because the the legal number of scourges that the victim would receive is 40 less one or 39. So Christ, if you could number them easily, would probably number about 117, somewhere in that neighborhood. Now, what other... What other facts bring you to the, you know, the certainty in, in your mind that this is the burial cloth of Jesus? What what other things, you know, all right, we know that it was around before the carbon dating. We know, do we have DNA whether the, the blood on the shroud is somebody from the Middle East? We do, we do not have enough intact DNA to do much of anything. It's, it's degraded. There are, I think, 740 DNA base pairs, but the blood type is AB positive, which is very rare in the United States, but it's common in the Middle East. And there were, we know there were two shrouds or two claws in the tomb. And in Jewish burial practices, somebody that died a violent death, such as Jesus, as soon as he expired, he would have had his face covered by a face towel, otherwise known as a sudarium. And the sudarium of Oviedo is in Oviedo, Spain. And the, the sudarium of Oviedo was the face cloth that was put on Jesus after he died. And it has AB positive blood type on it. And also has pollens on it. The main pollen that's found on the shroud and the sudarium is a plant, is a thistle plant. The name is Gundelia tornaforti. And there is a high concentration of that pollen on both the Sudarium and the Shroud of Turin. And the Sudarium of Oviedo has, I, I would have to pull my paperwork, but I believe it has 120 points of congruence with the blood stains on the Shroud and the blood stains on the Sudarium. Can you can you explain the sudarian again? Because maybe that went too quick for our audience. What is the sudarian? The sud in Jewish burial practices, as soon as someone dies, their face is supposed to be covered. Especially someone who has died a violent death, is whose blood is flowing at the time of death. So when he was taken down from the cross. They would have put the face towel on his face 
and taken him to the tomb. And the shroud would have been laid on the limestone table, and then he would have been prepared. He would have been prepared for burial. And in Jewish burial practices, they what would happen is they would bury the deceased, put flowers and plants around him to counteract the smell and the body decays. And as soon as, as the body has completely decayed, they gather up the bones and put them in an ossuary. So <laughs> that there are plant images on the shroud and there are four, and this is from Dr. Avinoam Danin, who's the leading botanist at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. And he, he published a book, The Floor of the Shroud of Turin, that shows plant images on the shroud. And, and there are 28 plant images, 20 of which occur in the vicinity in Jerusalem and eight in the vicinity of Jerusalem. So all the plants come from Jerusalem and there are four, four particular plant images which Dr. Danin said occur in only one spot on earth and that's Jerusalem. And oh. the flowering pattern and the petal pattern of two of the plants tell us that the shroud image was made in, in March or April, and the flowering pattern of, I believe it's, Cystus creticus tells us that the flowers were picked at between three and four in the afternoon. Huh. My goodness. And when you put the, there are mineral deposits on the non-image non side of the shroud. There are limestone deposits. And they have been subjected to mass spectrometry. And there is a signature that you get with mass spec analysis. And the limestone deposits from the non-image side of the shroud correspond identically to the, the tomb of the Holy Sepulchre and not other tombs in Jerusalem. And they've also done mass spectrometry on on dirt deposits, we know that Jesus fell and there are dirt deposits on his knees. And the mass spec image corresponds with <laughs> the dirt in Jerusalem. All right. So I think if you put the evidence so far, we got a pretty good case that this is a man that was crucified in Jerusalem. 
But how do we know it's Jesus? Well, he fits exactly with the descriptions in the gospel. Like I said, he was the only one in history to ever be crucified with a crown of thorns. We know from the coin images that it was made about 30 AD. The guy is Jewish, corresponds exactly with with Jewish burial customs, with Roman crucifixion practices. It's not an artistic impression. It's, I would call it, a miraculous image. Now, how is the image formed? I mean, has and, any skeptic come up with a reasonable theory about how the image was formed? Well, we have no idea. I have a theory about how the image was formed. And another reason I know that it's Jesus Christ is that there is the image is what's called has characteristics of autoradiography. You can see bone images as though an x-ray was taken of his fingers and there are teeth and the facial image and about 20 some years ago the the catholic apostolate the marians of the immaculate conception in eden hill in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, superimposed the divine mercy image with the shroud. And according to forensic anthropologists, it's an identical match. Beth, you have a question? I'm sorry. Yes. What's the divine? What What is it compared to? The divine mercy image? Right. Saint what Faustina is... Kowalska. And what is that, please? St. Faustina Kowalska was, she wrote a diary. She had many mystical encounters with Jesus. And it's Divine Mercy in My Soul is the title of the book. It's the diary of St. Faustina. In 1931, Jesus said, I want you to have a picture painted of me as you see me. And you'll see... The Divine Mercy Sunday is the the second Sunday of Easter. It's the Sunday after Easter Sunday. And you, you've probably seen the image where Jesus is, is touching his breast, and there are red rays and pale rays coming out of his chest. Oh, right. And I know. Under, and under the... Under the image of Jesus are the words, Jesus, I trust in you. And St. Faustina had a painting commissioned 
of what she had seen. And it took three or four years to actually complete. But the nowadays there are several different images, but the original image is called the Vilnius, V-I-L-N-I-U-S image. And the original Vilnius image, if you superimpose that on the shroud, it's an identical match. I'm going to change the subject slightly. Padre Pio, his wounds, were they in his hands or his wrists? Yes, they were in his hands. Okay. So what do you you attribute that difference to? That's a form of private revelation. Private revelation is primarily for the benefit of the the person who it's given to. And there was one stigmatist, I, I don't remember which one, and she had wounds in her hands, and she was asked about that, and she said, well, Jesus would have been nailed more securely <laughs> than where my wounds are. In other words, it's for me. Okay. Now, it's just curious because somebody brought that up to me that, you know, like if Padre Pio's stigmatism was real, wouldn't wouldn't he have the wounds in his in his wrist, not his hands? And I really didn't have an answer or thought about it. No, but most of the stigmatists, they, you know, like I said, it was for them for their benefit and secondarily for our benefit, but it, it wasn't meant to be literal. So let me just as the, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say when Mel Gibson did his, made his movie, the passion of the Christ, he, he had advisors as to, what happened and he, they knew that Jesus's wounds were were different than what they were going to depict but his advisors told him to do it the way he was he did it in the movie because that's what most people think about the crucifixion of Jesus that's that's their picture of Jesus's crucifixion one of the one of the things that I um, I always wondered well because it it for when where do we first see the shroud? Um, I know there's some I know there's some pictures I know you were talking earlier about there's some pictures of it from a long time ago, but um, was it did it end up in France? I mean how how do people think that it got from Jerusalem? to um, Western Europe? Well, it started out in Jerusalem, and then it it went to Edessa, which is present-day Urfa, Turkey. King Abgar was suffering from leprosy. And one of the 
things that <laughs> brings joy to my heart is that if you see images of St. Jude, St. Jude has a medallion with an image of Jesus. <laughs> and <laughs> Jude's name was Thaddeus. <clears throat> and there are historical records of Thaddeus taking the shroud to Urfa, Turkey, which was ancient Edessa, to King Abgar. And King Abgar venerated the shroud and was cured of his leprosy. And it's thought that it stayed in Edessa for several hundred years, and then it went to Constantinople, which is present-day Istanbul. And there are, there are pollens on the shroud that trace the route of the shroud that it has traveled. And during the Fourth Crusade, it was probably taken from present-day Istanbul and probably taken to Athens. And from Athens, it may have gone to England for a time. But the first time we see it in fairly modern history, it, it was in France. And then it was in France for a while. And then it came in possession of the Italian royal family, the Savoys. And St. Charles Borromeo was the Archbishop of Milan, and he, he prayed to God that if, if God saved Milan from the plague, that he would walk by foot over the Alps to venerate the shroud in Chambéry, France. And the Savoy family was in possession of it, and it was in their church in Chambéry, but they, in order to help St. Charles Borromeo to keep him from having to walk over the Alps, they brought it to Turin, and it has stayed in Turin since then. Now, is there anything—I'm sorry, is there anything else you can tell the audience? Like, some of the people are saying, they think, okay, we know a Jewish guy was, you know, with a crown of thorns was— crucified or whatever, but is there anything else that you would tell them to, to excuse the, the expression, nail the, the lid in the coffin, that this is Jesus and not just some Jewish guy with a wounds on his head? <laughs> well, if... From forensic anthropology, we know it's Jesus. From the wounds, we know it's Jesus. We know it's not an artistic depiction. Yeah, I think that artistic de- depiction's been debunked. If nothing else, the wounds in the in the wrist would go a long way toward that, I would think. Oh, yeah. Yes, and one of the, the guy who is the head of, well, he... He oversees Shroud.com, which is the the Shroud website, is Barry Schwartz. And Barry Schwartz was the 
the photographer for the Shroud of Turin research project. And Barry is Jewish. <laughs> and his, his mother is Jewish. And as she says, if it wasn't Jesus, it would have been discarded long ago. Okay. That's a very good right. point. I mean, it's, right. it's, you know. But let me ask you, how the, the shroud, the image, can you explain the fact that it's a photograph and that we didn't, it's it's virtually the, the same as the negative of a photograph, and that I think that debunks, you know, the middle age um, forgery type of thing. But can you explain to the audience briefly what the image is and, and that it's kind of like a negative that we didn't really realize until photography came into play? Right, recently. Well, the shroud image, we should go back to 1978. In 1978, there was the Shroud of Turin Research Project. And the Shroud of Turin Research Project was headed by Dr. John Jackson, who was an Air Force physicist. And he had been studying the shroud, and he developed what's called a VP-8 image analyzer. And he took pictures of the shroud and ran them through the VP-8 image analyzer, and it made a 3D image, which means that it's a, what I would call a light-intensity image that where the cloth was touching the body, the image is very intense. Where it's farther away from the body, it's, it's not as intense. And a painting would not do that. So anyways, Dr. Jackson has run for a long time the, the Shroud of Turin center in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And he headed a team of scientists from all over the place. And in 1978, they were allowed five days, 24 hours, so 120 hours to test the shroud. Now, pictures, lights, samples, and their task was to figure out how the image was made. After, after analysis by all these scientists for 120 hours, they couldn't figure it out. But I, it has characteristics, like I said, of light intensity. And from the characteristics of the image, it's sort of a denaturation of the the top fibers of the threads, I think what caused it, at least partially, is what's known as particle beam radiation. And it has characteristics that I think are very good for particle beam radiation. And the image itself would... the characteristics would correspond with particle beam radiation. And my, my brother is actually has his doctorate in physics. He's essentially a plasma physicist. 
and I sent him my work on the shroud and I was asking him about image formation. And I said, I asked him, Michael, is, could this be a plasma reaction or a plasma phenomenon? Right. And he said, Kevin, why are you trying to complicate it so much? <laughs> why couldn't it just be static electricity? <laughs> and we don't, we don't have sibling rivalry, but out of the mouth of babes sometimes goes with wisdom. <laughs> and I thought, that fits. Because static electricity is caused by electron donation and reception. A cloth is a very good electron negative charge receptor, and a, a body such as Jesus's in the tomb would be a great electron donor. Oh, interesting. And that is, that is why I believe collimation occurred, because alpha particles are positively charged. So I think the, the parts that were... Like, especially against his body, had a high negative charge. At the resurrection, it was highly positive charges, and that's why you have a distinct image that has, has uh, radiation uh, factors to it or has light intensity characteristics that would correspond to the shroud. I think, Doctor, unfortunately, we're running out of time. Oh, my but goodness. Can you give us, if somebody wants to do a little bit of their own research, what sources would you recommend to them? Oof. Uh, well, it depends on what, you, what your avocation is. The Probably the main book on the history historicity of the shroud and tracing its its path in history is Ian Wilson's The Blood in the Shroud. Right. But if they want, you can just go to shroud.com that has has current articles as well as old articles about the shroud. Well, I know I know you have a talk on it. Is that available for people? Yes, and I I gave my talk on April first, so just a month and a half ago in Sedona. They can probably it's on YouTube. Do you, and I do don't you know, know the if address? It, if you have. We'll we'll do a little research. Yeah, and we try can to get look it, it up, and if, if we can find it, Doctor Kevin, thank I, you very I, much for being on Connor's Corner. You're welcome. Thanks okay. for having me. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. 
kbq.org. Do you know how many Christians live in the Middle East? Six million people. Do you know how many Christians need your help? Every single one. Do you know what we can do? With St. Francis in Beirut, we can give them hope. We can give them medicines. We can give them medical equipment. We can give them everything they're looking for. Because some others decided to remove Christianity from the Middle East. But if we will help them every single day, not just to feed them or clothing, it's all about giving them another day with the idea that they are recognized, that we love them, there are cousins, sisters, there are roots. So, St. Francis in Beirut, it's all about helping Christians. And you can be part of that help too. If you want to help Father Paul in his mission, send your donations to St. Francis in Beirut, 213 Stanton Street, New York, New York, 10002. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors & Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500 718-238-6500 or Sullivan. Welcome back to Ask Lawyers with me, Mike Connors. Nicole, do you have any comment on the last segment that we had? Wow, I am just in shock. I had no idea that all of this existed, and there was this many theories around this one cloak. It's fascinating. Shroud, not cloak. It's a shroud, but it was the cloak that he was taken down in, right? It's like a piece of cloth. I know we call it a shroud, but... It's a cloak. It's fascinating. I hope you guys found it as fascinating as I did. I didn't oh, know absolutely. any of this. Absolutely. Okay. Well, you know, obviously didn't watch the History Channel back when they used to have shows on this all the time. I'm a little young for that one. <laughs> How can you be young for the History Channel? They still show it right now if you want to get on it. Yeah, the History Channel, where all of a sudden you have you go from very serious stuff about you know various points in history. And then you bounce to, like, Nazi super weapons, and yeah. were they helped by the aliens? Right. Well, <laughs> in any event, we're going to get back to business next week. We're going to be talking to Nicole about estate planning next week. And she's going to – I think we should do this as a regular segment, estate planning gone wrong. Because, Nicole, you have a, 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 a knack of putting the uh, – getting to the point and showing where people make sometimes some very stupid mistakes. Some people just make it really easy for me. What can I say? <laughs> now, next weekend is going to be Memorial Day weekend. And remember, keep keep the, the true meaning of Memorial Day. You know, it's to re- it's technically to remember those, those veterans who gave their lives for a country. You know, sometimes I was in a bank the other day and says, you know, remembering those who served, that's true. But Memorial Day is to remember those 
people in the armed services of the United States who gave their lives for their country. Veterans Day, we're supposed to remember those people who are veterans who didn't give their lives for their country. So, you know, I know it's a fine distinction in some cases, but keep that in mind. Let's remember to say a prayer for all those people who gave their lives in service to our country for the United States. And I think we're going to be talking a little baseball and talking about veterans because we, we mentioned a little bit last week, we're talking about Cooperstown the ship Cooperstown, which is named in, in effect for about 70 Major League Baseball players who are in the Hall of Fame and who served in the uniform of the United States, like Warren Spahn, Bob Feller, uh, Gil Hodges, you know, Joe DiMaggio. So we're going to go through the list and go over through some of them. And uh, obviously all of you know out there I'm a great baseball fan and baseball history especially, and I think we're going to be talking about those guys next week. So... Hang in there. We'll talk to you next week at the same time and places. Thank you for listening to Ask the Lawyer, accompanied today by Nicole Donnelly. Always a pleasure. And my son, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us, as always, your friendly neighborhood producer. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors and Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.